For these times, we often wonder what happened when we're together and we focus on the stuff that He has done that we know of. But I'm convinced the true equip, what happens here doesn't stay here. And in actual fact, we will see the ramifications of these last few days together over the weeks, months, and I trust and hope even the years to come. How many of you know these moments matter? But the joy of what we do is now we're going to go and live out what God has said. It's wonderful to have these mountain peaks and moments together and encounters and encouragement. And it's important that we need them. But then we go from this place now and go and live out and realign what God's called us to and confirm some stuff. And I've been challenged. I've come to, to contribute, but I've also been receiving a lot and challenged. And I'm going back different too. But I've absolutely loved being back in Australia. And this is such a great, great nation. It really is. You are super privileged to live here. I know you got your issues. Every nation does too. But I want to tell you, God has picked you, handpicked you for such a time as this. And the Bible says in Acts 17, 26, God has determined the exact places and times where we should live. He didn't pick a place and time for you to go visit where you live, place and time, where we should live. And Paul goes on and says, God did this, that men would seek him, reach out and find him, though he not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And so I do believe what Paul was saying is we've been handpicked for such a time as this by heaven to be here for such a time as this that people will find God because we're here. We had a bit of a panel this afternoon about church planting. I think I want to just remind everyone that God does not give cities to churches. God gives churches to cities to impact the cities for God. And so it's not that these people around us exist for us. God so loved this region, God so loved this place, obviously that He sent His Son, but He also handpicked you people to be churches and to be people and to be followers of Jesus around the places where you have, so we can reach them. We are God's gift to this world. I know you're going to get, oh, we're not God's gift. I'm our God's. Yes, we are. God so loved this place. He put us here to reach them for Him. And we've got to live with that destiny. We've got to live even in crazy seasons. I know some of us who are raising sons and daughters in this time, like spirit, uh, physical sons and daughters, the pressure. We keep saying, I never had to face what my kids are facing. I've never had to face, and that's true. But know this, if God called them to be here for such a time as this, He's graced them for this season, even though you were graced for your season. And our role is not to raise them up to fear the culture. We were not given the Holy Spirit to hold on and hang on and wait for the return of Jesus. We have been not to survive the culture, but to transform the culture. And so we're going to raise up people, men, women, sons and daughters, that will go into the places that are fearful, where people are scared, go into dark places and shine the light, not hang on in our holy huddles for Jesus to come back. And so I trust, even in all that's been said and done, that we are trusting God for big things in this season. And, and we need God to do what He said He's going to do. But God wants us to do what He's told us to do. And we work hand in hand. That's what partnership is really all about. If, uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you please to turn in it to Second Peter 
chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is a little bit different to how I would kind of land or we never land anything. We send them out and it's kind of the last, it's, it's the last evening for us together, uh, God willing, till the next time. And, uh, you know, you kind of want to send everyone out and fire them up and that. But this is a different, I, I really believe God is something different this evening. So it's a little bit different to what I'd usually do. But I want to be faithful. Like, who knows if I ever, I mean, God willing, I'll get back, but who knows if I, would, I don't. It's just no guarantees. And so I want to make sure that I'm faithful to what He wants us to hear rather than, hey, next time I come, I want to share some of these things. And, and know this, that the challenge that comes tonight is the challenge for every single one. I love that there's younger people in this room, and who knows what that means. And put your hand up if you're young. Okay, because young is relative. Let's be honest. Put your hand up if you're old. See? I mean, everybody's confused. And so I want to say this because this message is not for young people. It's for all people. And I'm really not hyping you this evening, but how many of you truly believe there is more in God? Okay, put your hands down. If you don't believe there's any more in God, put your hand up, please. Okay, that means it's for every one of us. We all believe there's more. And not because some slogan says it some way. It's because God is a God of more. God's got more for us. God's got more for us to walk in. God's released us from things in order to release us into greater things. And so in it all, we need to stay true and faithful to what it is He's called us to. I hope you've turned to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to, uh, 2 Peter, what did I say, 2 Peter? Just Peter somewhere, pick whatever you want, but <laughs> while you're turning there, 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says this, Paul says, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power, He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, which was quoted much this afternoon or this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul writes, As a prisoner for the the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I pray that you'll walk according to the calling you've received. I pray that you'll live a life worthy of the calling received that you have received. We've heard this week that every one of us in this room are called by God. We all are called, handpicked, chosen, not just saved from, but saved into. More important what we get saved into than what we get saved out of. Colossians chapter 1 tells us we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness, transferred from darkness into the kingdom, into the Son, in which we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so, The point in all of this is we all are called by God to different stuff, different things, but called by God. These people who say that we just simply get saved and then we wait for the return and go back to try and get to heaven. No, no. God saved us here on earth, not just to take us to heaven, but to walk in the call of God here on earth. We are saved and called, chosen by God. And much was spoken of this week that it's the priesthood of all believers. The priests need to be priests. 
For too long, we've had a handful of leaders who are going to do everything and everyone else cheers them and makes them the heroes when God has no heroes except Jesus. Everybody's needed, all hands on deck. God will not allow a handful of leaders to do what He's called His people, all priests to priests. And priests have the privilege in the Old Testament, if you were a priest, you would go to God on behalf of the people. If you were wanting to hear from God, you'd have to go find a prophet to speak to you on God's behalf. But when Jesus died on the cross and He said, Tetelesta, it is finished. The veil between God and man was ripped from the top to the bottom, initiated by God from God. And now in this New Testament, new covenant after Christ, we all get to go to Jesus. We all get to go to God and hear from Him anytime we want. And we don't need a priest to stand on behalf of us because Jesus is the high priest who's done it all. We Go to Jesus any time, not through a man, not through your pastor, not through a leader, but by our sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so there's this privilege that we get to go to Him as priests, but we also get to function as priests and uh, fulfill the mission that He has in the priesthood of all believers. The days of a handful of leaders are going to get paid to do the job. God shook things up over these last crazy years for everybody to take ownership of their calling. (laughs) For churches to come back and followers of Jesus to come back to the call. And I said this the first day I preached that the greatest, one of the biggest tests of what we've gone through is we've come back to calling. Not just position led, but calling those of us who not survived this but stayed the course are back in the call of God. How many of you know that's a great church is walking in the call? We can actually walk in some great things going forward with the right candidates if we're walking in the call of God to fulfill everything God has for us going forward. The church can be and should be strong. So I want to just talk around calling for a little moment, a little while, and um, I don't want to get kind of caught in the weeds, but I've been, obviously, part of my role is to talk, I talk to leaders and pastors and people all the time, and there's this unknown about calling, and we mix things up, and, and, and I, I believe, again, just some questions to ask when it comes to calling. I think there are four questions that help us understand calling. First question is this, who am I called to be? Paul said, work, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So ask that. Don't ask people. Ask, who am I called to be? I want to say about this, who you called to be never changes. It's not linked or tied to a position. It's not tied to a role, and it's not tied to to a place. Who am I called to be? The second question is, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? The third question is, where am I called to serve? Where am I called to serve? And the fourth question is, how am I called to to serve. How am I called to serve? Who am I called to be? 
What am I called to do? Where am I called to serve? And how am I called to serve? Now, as I said, who am I called to be (laughs) does not ever change. But the other three questions can change, will change, and must change. The pastors in this room this evening, this whole thing, pastors never retire. You've heard about that? We don't retire in the kingdom. It's always, so you've got people hanging on to something forever because they don't believe in retiring. But let me understand, if we understand the call of God, who I'm called to be will never change. But where I function, how I function, where I serve must change. They're linked. So when I do hand over a local church because my season's over, the call of God on my life hasn't changed. But where I'm serving, how I'm serving, what I'm doing changes. It gives us freedom to actually know that there are seasons in God in different places, in different ways. And if we could just get free of those things, probably be a little more effective going forward in the call of God. There are calls that God has for us, and we're all called to be something, but you're going to change. And even this week, serving here and serving there and going here in nations and regions, and Darren did a great picture here this, this afternoon of, or this morning of how we serve, and we can go. Those all change, but who you called to be must never change. And this is for all of us, young and old. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes and he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort. There's some effort required. It's not all Holy Spirit do this in me. There are things we've got to make an effort in. And Peter's writing, and I would say all Scripture obviously is essential and prophetic, but it's like Peter was writing to us tonight, gone through the season we've gone. It is so profound, First and Second Peter. Go read it and let God speak to you. It's been such a God sent for me through this crazy season. And he says this, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Did you catch that? Add to your faith Goodness, knowledge, self-controlled, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, kindness, love. Add those to your faith. Persevere. Make an effort to add these things to your faith. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities, and can I just say, you cannot pass on what you don't possess. For if you possess these qualities, you can't pass them on if you don't possess them. In an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective 
and unproductive, those are the two most offensive words. I would, if you called me ineffective or unproductive, I would be offended. So when I read these things will stop me being ineffective and unproductive, then I want to give my attention to those things. But it says, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, some more offensive words. Are you ready? He is nearsighted and blind. Now, I wear glasses, not for sure, just so you know. I am a little blind. But nearsighted, I don't want to be in the kingdom nearsighted. How many of you know we need followers of Jesus who are not nearsighted and blind? Nearsighted and blind, and he has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, verse 10, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall away. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior Jesus. Verse 10, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Now, I know this means many things, but I love how Eugene Peterson says this in that verse. He says, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, His choice of you. Be eager to do something with implications of readiness to expend energy and effort to be eager, eagerness, devotion is what we're told. To make sure, to verify, make sure, to know with certainty, to be made known true, certain, and verified. So this is what we've been warned of, to verify this, to make sure with eagerness, give your heart, make sure you're walking in these things. And I feel like that's been the test for many. I mean, without pointing fingers and how many of us know people who've fallen away? Friends, I know leaders. I know people. It's tragic. I have the privilege of traveling, and certainly pre-COVID, I traveled at times eight months of the year around the world. And, and it's tragic when you go back to a place, back to a region, and you ask just out of inquiry, out of concern and care, where's this person and where's this person? And in, invariably, they're no longer in ministry, no longer involved. They've left the church. They've left their spouse. They are gone, and now they are missing in action, and they are splattered all over the world. People who had a moment, who walked with God, who've walked away and are gone. And I'm not throwing rocks at them or pointing fingers, but surely we can get to a place where that will stop. And tonight, none of us have to fall away. None of us have to be splattered, regardless of what comes our way, who recognizes us, who doesn't. Let's settle some things tonight and stay the course and walk in all that God has for us through seasons that matter, through seasons we understand, or through seasons we don't understand. But surely, friends, we don't have to fall away because things didn't go our way. You see, this calling, is a, it means to urgently invite someone to accept responsibility for a particular task, implying a new relationship to the one who calls you to the task. I want to tell you, God calls us to himself before he calls us to the task. 
And if you are task-focused, calling-orientated, with understanding He calls you to Him first, you're in trouble of losing your way and burning out even in the call of God. God always calls us to Him before He calls us for Him. And don't get so for Him that you forget about Him and going to Him. And that can happen so much in any ministry and in leadership and certainly even as followers of Jesus. We become followers of the stuff at the expense of the most important ingredient being Jesus Christ. The Lord of the work, you heard me say this, is way more important than the work of the Lord. Some of us get governed by these things and He calls us to Him and He gives us this incredible invitation to accept this responsibility to walk with Him. And let me tell you, our calling is a big deal. And I'll tell you why it's a big deal, because it's a big deal to Him. And if it's a big deal to Him, then it's a big deal to us. So don't minimize and underestimate the power of what He's spoken of you and what He's called you to. And friends, if no one else sees it, it's okay. He called you, walk in what God has for you. So just a few things, and then I want to get into a biblical illustration of, of one who understood this. What hinders our call? A few things. Undermining His divine call. Just want to say to all of us, no matter what your role is, keep an ever-present sense of His divine call and destiny for your life. Keep your call fresh in your mind as you face all the challenges of your responsibility because calling implies the tools are there to complete the job. And they'll give us courage and confidence to continue in the face of opposition and human opinion. Keep an a, 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 uh, ever-present understanding of your call. Even when it's public, when it's private, through this crazy season we enter question, let it be an everyday thing. God, I'm in your call, even if it doesn't look like it. Just live with that ever-present understanding. Because I watch people walk away because they're undermining, they undermine the call and think it has to be this public thing to really matter. God's not about public, it's about calling. Am I, am I making sense? Another one is unaware of what God is doing. This stops us walking in our call. It hinders our calling when we are unaware of what God's doing. Um, don't be distracted by what God's not doing because you can't see what He is doing. Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish, or where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Eugene Peterson's version says in the message, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. Ignorance is not bliss. And to understand the calling, we've got to understand and listen of what it is God is doing. Be aware. Ask God. It's helped me. And I'm not an expert in any of this. But I'm telling you, friends, in all seasons, if we can just be aware of what God's doing, it helps us stay in the call of God and walking in what He has for us. Another thing that hinders our call, just want to be straight up, is the inability to hear God. Not just see what He's doing, but hear God. A.W. Tozer said, one of the, uh, the one who does not expect God to speak will discount God every time He does speak. And I think with the arrival of social media, I'm just going to go there for a minute. We love to hear our own voice more than we listen to the voice of God. 
And let me also just say, it's hard to hear the voice of God when you've already decided what you want Him to say. Another thing that undermines our calling or hinders our calling is an unwillingness to do what He says. We all love the calling, but then when He tells us to do some stuff, it's like the selective hearing. Do you know what that is? If you have any children, put your hand up, you'll know selective hearing. And what that simply is, is hearing what you want to hear, not hearing what you need to hear. And my sons, they have that disease, and it costs them their life. But I want to tell you, we the church have that disease. We selectly hear what we want to hear, and it's not fitting in with where I'm going God couldn't have said that. Friends, it undermines the calling of God when we don't do what it is He's called us to. Another one quickly, unmet expectations. We all face that. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. How many of you know we've met many people who've fallen out and stepped away and stepped aside and it's because their hope is deferred. They're always hoping for something they never get. Their hope deferred has made their hearts sick, unmet expectations. But why, if we can stick to the call, stick to what He's called us to through all seasons, we should come out with some trees of life, longings fulfilled. Here's one, underlying issues and unresolved hurts undermine the call of God. Underlying issues and unresolved hurts. Just going to tell you, hurt people hurt people. What about this one? And then we'll move on from these painful ones. What about unfulfilled in your call and walk? When you're unfulfilled in your call and walk, it's a dangerous thing. You know, friends, I love the whole apostolic. I love the sending and going. But let me tell you that unfortunately in the apostolic and the going and sending, you know what we can have? We can have people who catch with, who have an unholy restlessness. And so because we're a going sending, I just want to keep going because I'm I've got this unholy restlessness. How many of you know God's not about unholy restlessness? If I can just challenge some of us, while God has called us to go, go because God's called you to go, not because you have an unholy restlessness. Some are not called to literally go. We all have a heart to go, but we don't just keep moving on. And, and younger people, just to, forgive me, the commitment thing's not a thing anymore, and it needs to be a thing. And, and now we're part of this translocal thing that's global so we can just hop around and move around and we've got to go where God's called us to go and stay where God's called us to stay that's what's part of the call <laughs> so much of today's lack is a lack of result of unfocused yesterday I believe completed obedience I said the other day establishes a generational echo We've got to complete what God's called us to do. We have to finish what God has called us to. And the big one I think that, under, that really hinders the call of God is the underestimating His promotional provision to how we respond. I know that there is this thing, God, you've got to do it. God, we are praying. God, move. Some of you, forgive me, it's revival. Bring revival. God, we need revival. Now, I know what we're saying, but let me tell you, 
in revival, God still called us to do some stuff. And sometimes it's easier for us to get on our knees and say, God, you do it. God, you've got to do it. God, we need you. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I am doing it. But I also have called you to partner with me. And there's some stuff you got to do. And we're like, yeah, but God, you're God. We're not. And your 1%, our 1% with his 99% makes up 100%. And I'm just telling you, biblically, God seems to work through people. So we've got to step in to what God has for us. I'm not saying take God's place, but no partnership is. He's 99.99 and we're the 0.00, but we still need that percentage to operate. God calls and then when you step out, God responds. So how we respond actually plays a major role into the calling of what God has for us. And many of you would know the story, and I'm not going to be able to read all the chapters, but a story of David. Have you know about David. And let me, I want to just talk a little this evening in the few moments that I have left, is that there is a big difference between calling and living in the full commission of God. And between calling and commission, there's a word that I think is lacking today, and it's called consistency. It's awesome to be called by God. It's wonderful to come to these moments and have prophetic words and all that. But how many of you know, because you called doesn't mean you walk in it from the moment you called. It's this constant challenge to be walking in and until the full commission. And one of the greatest stories of this is David, who was called by God. Friends, when you go read, go read 1 Samuel 16. And I I made reference to it the other day. and, And you know the story that Saul was the leader of Israel. He was the king of Israel. God called Saul, not man. People say, oh, man chose Saul. No, God chose Saul. Just read the scripture. Saul actually means called of God. And Israel wanted a king, right? You know the story. And so God was like, I am your king. They're like, no, but we want a king like everyone else. We want to see our king. So God didn't say, I'm going to, God's not spiteful. He didn't say, okay, here's your king. He said, okay, I'll give you a king. And, and he called Saul. He found Saul. He chose Saul. And Saul was chosen by God, not by Israel. And he was used by God. And he, he did some pretty good stuff in the call. But then he wasn't consistent in the call. And within a few years of him from calling, the cracks began to show. And eventually he did all these things he wasn't supposed to do. You know the story. So then God says, how long... Will you mourn? Because Samuel was mourning Saul. And God said to Samuel, how long will you mourn Saul since I have rejected him? Let me ask you a question this evening. Did God make a mistake choosing Saul? Please say no. If you say yes, he's not God, then we got to go there. And we don't want to go there. (laughs) So the point in this is that even the right call, called by God, is not a guarantee if we don't respond to the way God wanted us to. And so God called Saul, Saul messed it up, so God said, I'm rejecting Saul, and I'm going to find someone else. And so we got this, this, this painful moment where Samuel's not happy, and, and the Lord says, how long are you going to mourn for Saul when I've rejected him? Fill your horn and go and anoint the new king. So he goes and he fills it and he's freaking out. Read the story. He's fearful. He arrives in the city. All the elders are shaking because the man of God has arrived. There's prophets in town. And then he goes to Jesse's house and he says, hey, Jesse, 
One of your sons is called to be king. And he's like, okay, cool, let me get them out. And so he brings out all his sons, and they all come one by one. And the man of God looks at it and says, surely it's this. I mean, the prophet was seeing the outward appearance and says, surely this is him, and surely this is him. And they go through the whole thing, and then they realize it's none of them. <laughs> and then Samuel's got to say, well, hey, man, it was one of them, but they're not here. So like, Jesse... Do you have anyone else? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have another son. You're right. But he's the baby, and he's taking care of the sheep. And the Lord said, bring him in. As he walks in, the Lord says, this is my one. Now, they say David was like 15, they say, at that age. David walks in. He's taking care of the sheep. He's 15 years old, and the Lord says, this is my anointed one. 15 called by God. And so Samuel anoints him with the oil and says, you are now going to be the king. But he doesn't instantly become the king. You know what happens? He goes straight back to take care of the sheep. Even now he's anointed as king. He's back out taking care of the sheep. Do you see that, friends? I'm called by God. I don't have to do all that. I'm the man of God, woman of God. No, no. Get on with what he's given you. Right? So, okay, that's cool. Then they have a battle. You heard about that. Apparently there's a battle. And so it's David, who's now the king. His brothers have all seen it. He's anointed as king, although he hasn't been made king. He's now taking food. He's serving his brothers. Now, if I was anointed king in front of my brothers, I'd be like, hey, guys, I ain't bringing you nothing. You know who the king is. And you would do the same. And right there, no consistency. You'll never walk in the commission. What did he say? His father told him, go and take this food to your brother. So he arrives there and he sees what's supposed to be a war, a battle. And there's no battle. There's this giant standing there and he's telling God's army, the Israelites, who of you can take me out? And David's like, what's going on here? And the brothers are like, what are you doing here? They're mad. They're offended because obviously they know their brother's been anointed. But hey, they're like, you shouldn't be here. You should go take care of the sheep and all and the whole story, and then Saul sees this guy, and David's like, I'll take him out. And David's not arrogant, but he's confident, and he's like, I've taken out a lion, I've taken out a bear, I can do this. This uncircumcised Philistine, he's messing with God. Who does he think he is? God will take him out. And you know the story, right? So, boom, there it is. And he goes down there, and he's trying to put on the armor, and it's like, it's not going to fit me. And he goes there, and he takes out Goliath. People begin to see this guy was called, but now God's using opportunities so one day he can become king. But there's a process from the call to the commission. And I believe most people bomb out because they don't understand from call to commission, there's a process of we've got to understand. And so if we all agreed earlier there's more for all of us, then all of us are not walking in the fullness. There's always more. But are we, is God able to use us? Because we've been faithful where we are, not longing for what's next. And then David goes on, and actually things begin to happen. And then, the, the, you know, Saul can't find a worshiper, and he's having all these issues with demons and stuff. So he gets Saul. I need someone, isn't it? Give me a, someone who can come worship for my... And they go, oh, we know someone, David. So God's now beginning to promote, beginning to promote, beginning to fulfill what he called him to. But here's what I say. God was playing his part, but so was David playing his part by being faithful wherever God put him. Consistent. 
he goes there and he plays the worship and he does the worship. And then, you know, anyway, the whole story is even Saul eventually turns on him. You know the story. Saul wants to take him out. People want to take him out. I mean, it's just tragic story. Tragic. Every reason for David to want to quit. Every reason for David to say, what happened to the call? I'm called. I'm going to be king. And then David's in the, uh, the, the, the cave and there's Saul. He could have taken Saul. His men are saying, let's take out Saul. If we take out Saul, you will be the king. You will be rightfully the king. Let's do this. And he said, it's not my, I don't do that. It's God's timing. It's God's timing. It's God's timing. And eventually when Saul was killed, David didn't rejoice. He lamented. He didn't say, now is my time. Let me be the leader. He lamented. He wept how the mighty have fallen. Never did he try and take over. Never did he try and make it happen. But everywhere he was, he he served faithfully before he was commissioned to be the king. Then when Saul dies, he doesn't just go straight to Jerusalem and become king. You know what he does? He inquires of the Lord. And the Lord says, don't go up there, but go to Hebron. One twelfth of your inheritance. And so there's this whole process, friends. Go read it. It's, it's mind-boggling for me that this man was called at 15, and they say at least 30 or beyond was when he was commissioned actually to become the king. Fifteen years later. We read these stories and go, wow, man, David. But David walked faithfully. And I'm not trying to build a theology here. What I'm trying to say is many people called by God, chosen, who are not faithful and consistent, they will never walk in the commission God has for them. There's more for all of us in what God's promised. But are we being faithful and consistent so God can keep using us in what He's promised us to walk in?